1: Welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, at long last, we have football games to preview. We previously had football game to preview, and now we've got games. It is week one. Are you ready to roll? It's
2: week one, buddy. Finally here. It's been a long offseason. And, I mean, Miami set us up well last weekend with that complete and total train wreck Uh in prime time so I think we're ready for more ACC football a lot, a lot more go ACC football that
1: is yeah that was a very on-brand party we had this past Saturday um with that Florida Miami game so uh, you and Cam did a great job recapping that game I apologize that I couldn't jump on there with that it's been a a busy schedule having a a young one at home as it, as it turns out but we do move on to week one here Mike and and there is no no better way to start the party than the guests that we've brought on uh a, a returning guest to the podcast you want to tell us a little bit about her Yep,
2: Lauren Brownlow back on with us, one of our favorite guests, Joey, Uh, radio personality, of course, on 99.9 The Fan uh, in North Carolina, also writing for WRAL Sports Fan, and Joey, it turns out that we have some competition in the ACC podcasting space that Lauren's going to tell us a little bit about as well.
0: Yeah, hey guys, can I just jump on, is that cool?
1: Yeah, just go for it.
0: (laughs) All right, well, yeah, so um, I decided because I knew I'd been on other ACC podcasts that I could not call mine the ACC podcast. I probably had to go with an ACC podcast because it's one of a multitude that are out there in the ether. So I figured, um, an ACC podcast would do just fine and be pretty like search engine friendly as well. So that's what I decided to call it. Um, and it'll be on SB nation. It'll be twice a week. I'll have somebody on with me. Um, depending on sort of, you know, which which game is sort of in the spotlight that week or whatever else or whoever I, I feel like having on to bounce ideas off of. Um, I know for sure the only recurring feature week to week will be that my son um, will pick games. He's three. Um, yes. So I figure he'll do just as well as anybody else. Um, so uh, that's the only recurring feature I know that will be there. But we're, we're just going to sort of, um, you know, talk to ACC football and basketball and see where
1: things go. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I have a, a feeling that we're going to be tracking your son's picks against ours, and we're going to be the ones that should not be hosting a podcast. Um, I mean, to be fair, he's not
0: going to be picking against the spread. You know, I'm just going to ask okay, like okay. He likes, and, and straight up, and he'll go from there.
1: That's fair. I mean, even still, though, I don't know how good we are at this sometimes. So Yeah, true. In any case, so, yeah, I feel like we're being a little uh, – I don't know what the word is. A little a little cocky calling ourselves the ACC football podcast at this point. We probably need to change change the little moniker here, Mike. As we do have a, I guess what we'll call competition in the space. We're like I'm just going to say we have friends in the space. Let's call let's go with friends. Exactly. That's
0: the go ACC spirit anyway. So that that works out
1: better. That's right. Go ACC indeed. <laughs> All right. Um, let's look into this weekend's slate to kick off the season. Um, we've got nine, no, ten games. I said nine before. We still have ten games. Um, ten games. Uh, I'm going to start out by saying that four of them are on the ACC network. So if you are one of the lucky folks like myself, whose cable provider still does not carry the ACC network. Oh, no. Just know that you will not only be not able to, not be able to watch your team's game, but also like several others. So uh, keep that in mind. We do start uh, Thursday night kicking off the ACC Network first live game. Uh, college game day will be in, uh, in tow in Death Valley as the reigning champions. The number one Clemson Tigers are hosting my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, this is at 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. Totals uh, total's 59 and a half. And, uh, Mike, Clemson is a, a mere 36-point favorite in this game. Are you, uh, are you laying 36 here?
2: oh man um i want to but that is such a huge line and georgia tech is such an unknown uh, commodity at this point we were looking at the um the depth chart today joey let's call it depth chart for georgia tech is that cool on, we call it that?
0: no he doesn't believe in depth charts
2: <laughs> above the line lauren
1: or whatever it was Yeah,
0: that's what it was called above the line and it was just a collection of names that i'm looking at i'm like what is this
1: It's like a marginally pared down version of the roster.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at a roster in matrix form. This is perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know what Georgia Tech's going to be this year, Joey. We talked about this a million times. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be some sort of variation of a 4-2-5 on defense. Uh, Jeff Collins. Yeah. Jeff Collins finds a way to, you know, muster some defenses together and cobble things together and see where they kind of go i i'm more confident in georgia tech's defense than i am the offense um going into year one especially up front i have no idea what the offensive line is going to provide georgia tech with the scheme change uh just given the fact that you recruit guys as offensive linemen for an option scheme and then all of a sudden you want to run a traditional pro style slash spread slash whatever they want to run on offense Uh, compared to the last few years and the last several years, rather, under Paul Johnson. Um, Clemson's Clemson, and they got some weaknesses. I'll call them weaknesses. It's weaknesses relative to Clemson, right? Like, we don't know much about what their front seven is going to be, at least at the outset, but we're going to know who they are by October. But Georgia Tech doesn't have anything offensively that's going to challenge Clemson's new front, right? And I, I guess if you were picking. For Georgia Tech to cover the spread, you'd have to be confident that they could expose a quote unquote weakness on Clemson's defense in the opener, and I don't see that happening. Um I think Is it
1: backdoor cover weakness?
2: Yeah, see that's why I'm not touching it, right? Like it's the backdoor cover weakness, yeah, maybe. Um I just don't see it happening. Um I'm going to go Clemson wins and covers. I'm not betting it. I think the over, though, is a pretty attractive bet because I think that uh, that Clemson offense yeah. can go you know, full buzzsaw mode here in the opener. Um, it's just a matter of when they kind of lay off and call off the dogs, in my opinion. So I think it's going to be ugly. I think Clemson wins big. I'm not touching the spread, but I think if you're going to bet on this game, bet the over. Um, 59.5 seems a little bit low considering what Clemson can do on offense.
1: Lauren, I would say that... I think
0: that that makes sense, honestly, yeah, because there's so much we just don't know about Georgia Tech yet, and everything, everything, I mean, look at what we just saw in week zero with Miami and Florida. It was a sloppy, gross mess for both teams, really, and and Clemson, you know, I don't think they're going to come out looking like that, but you can expect there to be a few wrinkles and bumps in, in game one in week one, regardless. So I could see it getting a little sloppy for Clemson, even, and Dabo having a reason to sort of rip into them at halftime, and then they come out and they win comfortably. But maybe Dabo calls off the dogs before they win by that many points. That's such a
1: big number. It's a ridiculous number. I was, I was going to say, Lauren, it's the like biggest
0: week one number.
1: Yeah, and, and and not the only one of the thirty point variety in the ACC this weekend either. We'll get to that in a little bit, but. <laughs> Um, Lauren, I was going to say, we're all, we're all adults here and we can all probably recognize that this is just not going to be a, a particularly competitive game. I don't imagine, but that being said, how long, how long would you say that you think this will be like a fun game to watch for? You give it to halftime or after that?
0: <laughs> well, see, the thing is, if it's a fun game to watch, it's probably because is not playing particularly well. Um, so maybe that's not as fun to watch, um, that part of it. I think, um... I think it's probably a game in terms of being competitive for close to a quarter. Maybe it's something that people freak out about. And they're like, what's wrong with Clemson? And then all of a sudden, Clemson, you know, becomes Clemson. And, and we all stop talking about it. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I could see it being close-ish for like a quarter. But um, that's about it.
1: Yeah, I was looking at this number and I was just thinking, I, I don't know that I can, in good faith, recommend that anybody bet this game in either direction. I mean, that is yeah. so so many points with Clemson and just so little has to go wrong for you to not cover 36 points. I, I mean, the backdoor cover situation, you talk about calling off the dogs. I mean, it doesn't take much to score a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter to where now you're only winning by 31 points and I, you know, that's it. Right. But at the same time, Clemson could call off the dogs and they might still keep scoring with a second string on Georgia tech at this point. Like I, I don't really know. And it, it's hard to say what it is. So I, I think I am I lean with – I'll go Clemson. I'll go Clemson to cover, but I don't feel good about it at all. No, I lied. I'm going to go with Georgia Tech to cover. Georgia Tech plus the 36. But I I agree that I really like the over here, actually. I I think that Georgia Tech is going to put up a few points, and Clemson might score damn near 59 by themselves, right? So, like, if if Georgia Tech can score 10 to – 17 points. I mean, this thing is definitely going to go over in my mind. Um, Tech's defense, I mean, the, the secondary is going to be okay, but I don't – I mean, if this is the, the Clemson offense that just tore through Alabama's secondary, I think they might be – even. you know, it's week one, so they might have some hitches in the giddy-up, but they, I, I still think they're going to have an easy time scoring on Georgia Tech for the entirety of this game, really. I, there, there might be some some struggles early, but I think it's not going to be that hard for Clemson.
2: I love hearing you struggle over this. This is
1: incredible. I have no idea. Like it, we're we're talking about like what magnitude of blowout is this going to be, right? Like that's
0: that's just so many points. That's really a lot of points.
1: That's a ton. I think I have to take those points. All right. Well, so I, I think the the agreement here is probably don't bet the spread. Probably bet the over on this game if you're going to bet it. Um, anything else before we move on here? I Think we're good. Let's go for it. All right. Let's move on to Friday night. Also, 8 o'clock, also on the a- ACC Network, our Wake Forest demon Deacons. Hell yeah. They're a three-and-a-half point home favorite against the Utah State Aggies coming in. The total here is 63-and-a-half. Um, Utah State, Lauren, sneaky, sneaky good. If you're not familiar with the Aggie program, there's a reason that a Power 5 decent Wake Forest team is not a big favorite here, even at home.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you could – make the case that this is, well, you don't even have to make the case. I mean, it's a super dangerous game for Wake, in my opinion. The biggest thing that I think Wake has going for it is that, you know, it's a little bit of a distance game in terms of travel for Utah State. But, like, that's about it. (laughs) This is a team that you don't really want to play in the non-conference, especially if you're a team, in my opinion, like Wake, that kind of needs all the wins that they can get. But, I mean, respect to Wake for playing them. It's a game that would really challenge them. But, like, this is not really the type of non-conference game you want if you're Wake and you're sort of like, oh, we need to get as many wins as we can to get a bowl uh, because you are far from confident that you're going to get it here. Um, This is a team that's been really, really good and um, got some top 25 votes as well, well well-deserved, and this is not going to be an easy game at all.
2: I'm in total agreement there, Lauren. Um, the thing is, though, like if Wake Forest finds a way to get past this game, they're going to be sitting pretty, like pretty, for a while, right? I mean, they got games against Rice, they got a game against UNC that's at home, that's winnable. They play Elon, that's a winnable game. You know, you're going on the road to to Boston College in late September. I guess that could get a little bit tricky. But like, we're living in a world here, especially if they get past Utah State in this opener. Or Wake Forest could rattle off six or seven wins here to start the year and be a team that's obviously sitting in the top 25 and surprising a lot of people, which is something considering where they were picked to finish the preseason media poll, right? Um, They're a team that's not garnering too much respect in the ACC, especially among the media. Um, A lot of people think they're going to struggle this year, which is fair and fine. And maybe they do, and if Utah State comes out and wins this game by a couple touchdowns with Jordan Love at quarterback, maybe we're looking at this and saying, okay, Wake's going to really struggle to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, but this is a team in Wake Forest that I, I could see being, um, you know, finishing in the top four in the Atlantic, which I think for them, considering where they were a year ago at the start of the season, a lot of people weren't sure kind of where they were going to go post-John Wolford. Uh, I think you take that as a Wake Forest fan, considering, hey, you know, they were able to get to a bowl game last year. Uh, They're a team that has a chance to be very competitive this year, but a lot of people are sleeping on them. And I really like Jamie Newman, at quarterback. I like this game at home. Lauren, you mentioned the fact that Utah State has to travel a long way, and I I think that basically makes up for the three and a half point difference right now in the spread. Um, and, And I think because of that, I'm taking Wake Forest to win. I think they cover, but I do think it's very competitive throughout the game. I would – ooh, man, the over-under is 62-and-a-half is what I'm seeing, Joey. Um, I don't know if that's the line you have, but I don't hate the under there. Um, I think that there could be some point score, but 62-and-a-half seems like a lot. Wake Forest offense um, was fun to watch the second half of last year. Um, Utah State can score some points too, but – um, both teams are semi competent defensively. I, I just think that's a lot of points in an opener when the defense is ahead. The offense, Utah State's coming all that way. I think Wake Forest wins. I think they cover. I think it stays inside a touchdown though, and should be one of the one of the more competitive games of the weekend in the ACC. It's a sneaky good game here in the opening weekend. Plus, no
0: more Greg Dorp so you know that maybe they won't be quite as high scoring as they were, you know, towards the latter half of last season. But yeah, I mean, I think. Dave Clawson being the head coach that accounts for that counts for something for me in terms of like giving having faith in them against a team like this as opposed to some teams that play me see that I might not but you know that only gets you so so far when you're playing against a team with a seasoned quarterback like Utah State has so it, it'll be interesting I'm actually mildly excited to see that game.
1: I tend to agree, Lauren. That a guy like Dave Clawson, I feel like I can trust that Wake Forest is going to have a fairly high floor, like. It, you know, being being that they're awake, I mean, the ceiling might only ever be so high, but at least with Dave Clawson, I feel like you you know, at, at minimum, what you're going to get from Wake in like most any given game, which yes. I feel better about in week one like this. Um, Utah State also worth mentioning; they're under new management. Um, what, Matt Wells, Matt Wells left and went to Texas Tech, and they they brought back Gary Anderson, who was pretty successful there previously, but it's been several years, so. How that translates, I don't really know. I think I like Wake Forest here again. Only three and a half at home. Yeah. I I struggle with the idea of is this like a lower scoring game or a higher scoring game? I don't really don't know. Like because it seems like both these offenses can score, and I don't know how much I trust Wake Forest's defense just yet, especially week one. Um. So I, I don't know. I'd probably leave that alone, at least the total. But I I think I'm on Wake to to win and cover at home. It's I mean, they're barely getting anything more than just home field advantage. And again, like you guys mentioned, I mean, Utah State having to travel and Wake, we think, is generally pretty reliable. So I'm going to stick with Wake Forest here.
2: Man, how confident are we in that pick, huh?
1: (laughs) Not. We haven't been confident in a whole lot of any picks so far. Week one, baby. That's how we roll. That is right. Lauren, have you you gathered any, uh, like, nerves or – kind of what the vibe is around Wake Forest right now with, with this game coming up? Yeah, I, know. I, I mean, I
0: think that they understand that they need to respect Utah State and they, they know how dangerous a team that is. Um, I, you know, I don't know that I ever really detect a whole lot of nerves around Wake right now in general because I think they're – First of all, they're they're really happy with Dave Clausen and that he's still around to like keep building there and everything else. They like being the overlooked underdog. That's sort of on brand for Wake, and um, they're okay, not really having a whole lot of expectation, I think. And that's something that they're a little more comfortable with than maybe when they did have a little bit more expectation, um, you know, like towards the end of the Jim Grover era and, and such. But yeah, I mean, I think they, they, it's all kind of good for them right now. But they do, I think, know how important it is for them to win a game like this in terms of, you know, looking ahead to bowl eligibility and whatnot.
1: Well, I guess we'll see whether they should be shaking the boots by this time next week. We'll find out. Um, let's move on here. We'll go to Saturday. Uh, Saturday at noon. And by the way, I somehow we're talking about a slate of 10 ACC games, and there's only one <laughs> noon game on a Saturday. I don't know how yeah, that works. Yeah, and of course it's
0: NC State, which has now become like the <laughs> noon designate, and they do not care for this.
1: <laughs> Just running the show at noon, NC State. Uh, <laughs> They're a sixteen and a half point favorite at home against ECU, uh, the Eastern Carolina Pirates, also on the ACC network. Um, total here is fifty four and a half. We were talking a little bit before we came on. I don't know that any of us is really sure what to do with this spread. Like NC State, as much as they lose, especially on offense, and Eastern Carolina, like should be better, but not really sure how much better. I really having a hard time handicapping this one, Lauren. Nope, don't don't call them Eastern Carolina to their face. That's Carolina. Don't. Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Trust me, they will tell you. That's my out of state show. East Carolina and East Carolina. They're separate. No, um yeah, look,
0: East Carolina is going to be better. I think we all understand that. Um They were horrible last year, though, just straight-up terrible. They had some injury issues, which sort of threw some young guys into the fire for them, which, you know, we've seen this in the past, too. It's a mixed blessing, right, because you don't want a lot of young guys playing in that season, but it can pay off for you in the next season. Mike Houston, I think we all respect a lot. I know Dave Doran does, based on what he said today, is a really good coach, um, coming over from James Madison, Uh, but, like... You know, this is this team was very bad last year, and so it's really kind of hard for me to imagine them suddenly switching into this, not juggernaut, but look, even in a year where these two teams are relatively, you know, where, where like all things are equal in terms of like these two teams are about as they should be in terms of talent and everything else, State is still going to be the better team most of the time. Same with North Carolina, like when these two st- these two teams stack up from like a pal- like a talent perspective and everything else, all things being equal, I guess, right? And so, you know, it, you have to assume a lot of things went way differently in East Carolina, I think, to assume that this is going to be a super, super competitive game. 16 and a half isn't like a super competitive line either, and there's just a lot we don't know about State's offense, but, you know, Matt McKay is a guy that was... Brian Finley's backup last year has been around this program a decent amount of time. Um, and I think Dave Doran trusts him because he feels like he's not going to make a ton of mistakes. That's a big thing for them, risk averse. And they have to be that way because they can rely a little bit more on their defense this year. Um, and I, like I said, I, I think you see on both sides, the ball is going to be better. But what does that mean? That's relative, right? Because they were one of the worst teams in like all of FBS. So, yeah, I mean, again, I think that this game will be closer. but. I don't know if 16 and a half is where I would go with it. I kind of feel like it'll be a little more lopsided than that,
2: but we'll see. I think it stays inside three touchdowns. Um, I, I, man, I just would not touch 16 and a half. And for all the reasons you just mentioned, Lauren, like East Carolina should be better, but how much better will they actually be? And even if they are better than they were a year ago, like they're still not going to be better than NC state. Just assuming that NC state plays to their average and what we do expect out of them. Um, so, it's not a matter of whether or not East Carolina is going to beat NC State. It's a matter of NC State beating East Carolina, but by how much. Uh, Matthew McKay, I think, being in the system for a year does help, um, like you mentioned. And like Joey, I mean, I mean, because not-
0: he he's a redshirt sophomore. So, that, that helps even more, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yep. He's been around the program a while.
2: Yep. I mean, he's been around, he's redshirted, and then he sat behind Finley. I mean, that helps, right? Um, and being in the system a few years under Dave Doran, they do ha- seem to have a lot of confidence in him. I think that's clear coming out of fall camp. Um, you know, they seem happy with his development um, and think that he's going to be pretty good. I-, I think, you know, it really just depends on how good Matthew McKay is. It's going to determine how far NC state goes this year. They're they're They are going to be leaning on their defense a lot more than they have the last couple years. years. Um, the defense of course was good a few years ago and, the offense was good, too, and that was supposed to be the best team that NC State had in a really long time. They only ended up winning, what, eight games? So um, this is an interesting roster now um, heading into the new year. I, I like NC State to win this game. I do think they cover 16 and a half. I don't trust East Carolina at all. Um, I don't trust NC State a ton either, but I do trust them enough to, to beat East Carolina straight up, that's for sure. So we'll go with that and see what happens. I'm really interested okay. to watch this NC State offense, though.
0: It's worth, yeah, it's worth adding for me that you're right, the way McKay plays will be really important for NC State, but I also think that they need to have some sort of running game. They really didn't have much of one last year, and I think it really held back what Ryan Finley could do and what the rest of this offense could do, as good as the uh, passing offense was. They just didn't have a legit threat of a run game to complement that, and, and that's something that they really need to uh, change this year, or else this, uh, McKay's going to be a lot of trouble. I mean, he's, he's not Finley yet, not even... All that close yet I don't think so. They need they need the run game
1: to help him out quite a bit. You know, as much as it would be like a, just a perfect fit of my narrative of some of the trash that I've talked about, Dave Doran and, and kind of where that <laughs> program has been the last couple of months. Like I, I, East Carolina, and sorry, yeah, East Carolina, the Pirates were were so bad last year that Lauren, I think you make the right point, is that like trying to bounce back significantly from that. I don't know that you do that in game one. And, and NC State, yes, they've got to completely kind of reconstruct a good amount of the offense, especially in the passing game. But, like, I, I think that – I mean, especially knowing that they have to break them in, I think, you know, if even if it somehow starts to turn into a little bit of a blowout, you probably leave the starters in a little longer than normal. I I think NC State can be pretty – you know, can win this game pretty comfortably, we'll say. I, Sixteen and a half is not outrageous, especially at home and, and – No, not even. <laughs> you know, I – I'm going to go with NC state here. I'm going to stick with it. It's, it's a, it's a fairly big number and it's a little confusing and I'm, you know, upset by it and the whole thing, but um, I'm going to go NC state minus the 16 and a half. Mike. It's
2: fair, man. I'm with you.
1: Dave Doran. We're uh one, one day, one day we'll figure it out. Anyways. All right. Let's move on to three thirty on ESPN. This is, what feeling like it's becoming like an annual game, which I don't think anybody ever really intended it to be, and it may not even be, I may be remembering this wrong, but UNC is playing South Carolina again, um, and they're playing <laughs> in Charlotte again, in Bank of America Stadium. That's um, where
0: I'll be on Saturday. Um, if, uh, it's not quite an annual game, I will say, but... Um, North Carolina has played them a few times here in the last like 10 to 12 years, um, at least some point during the season. I think they've been the opener for each other two or three times, at least in that span. Um, during the Butch Davis era, I remember they came to Chapel Hill like in the middle of the season for some reason, which was strange. Um, and then they opened with each other in Charlotte a couple years ago. Um, and that was uh, that was the game where uh, I believe Marquise Williams threw like four interceptions or whatever it was, and Carolina ended up winning the Coastal and was like pretty good the rest of the year. But that was the one loss that everybody was like, "Wait, how? What? How did they lose that game? Like that South Carolina team is terrible. Um, they had to work hard at it. I was there. Um, it was a real like they literally had to work hard to lose that game. And uh, NC State has played them as well in the opener recently. Um, was that last year or two years ago? I don't remember, but it was like almost equally a Derp. Dirt- best, um, was just like turnovers and mistakes and everything else, and it was a game that stayed, I think I've gained them by a ton of yards, like 200 yards, and still lost, and so, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've seen quite the um, messy pair of openers here in recent years with triangle teams facing off against uh, South Carolina, so that might be why it feels like a bit of an annual deal or semi-annual or whatever it is, but it is not,
1: it has not been a very compelling game to watch, I can tell you that. <laughs> At least for not any of the normal reasons. Uh,
0: <laughs> no. It, for humor reasons, yes. But for, like,
1: football reasons, not too much. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say that Marquise williams four interception, like, four red zone interception game, I think it might have been, like, the first week of our first season yep. of this podcast. It was. And it was glorious. And I was Because we were right that, like, UNC was going to be better, and then they found a, a ridiculous way to lose the game. <laughs> it made us look like idiots. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, like it was, <laughs> I've seen a lot of like really stupid and weird and bad losses that make no sense, especially from UNC actually in, in like the last you know five years or so. Um, like the Virginia Tech one last year where they were like one for seven in the red zone or something. But that one was probably top of the list. <laughs>
1: One of the things you guys are going to find out about me as we kind of go through this season is there's going to be some teams that I talk about that like I kind of want them to be good, and in particular, I think you you probably missed me previewing the Miami Florida game that I want Florida to be good, mostly because I hate Georgia and I need Georgia to have some competition in the SEC East because I feel like they've just had like a cakewalk for years through that division. I need South Carolina. I need South Carolina to be good, and they're just not going to be like at least not not like Georgia good, not anywhere near that. So I no. No, they
0: are, yeah, no, they're not great. And then Florida, uh, if, if week zero was any indication, yeah,
1: got bad news. That was disappointing for me for sure. <laughs> um, Mike, South Carolina, nine and a half point favorite. That doesn't feel like a ton for what we'll, we'll call it kind of a rebuilding, retooling North Carolina team. But, I mean, some of their systems and such might enable them to stick with South Carolina
2: here. I don't know. I think the reason why the line is a little – I think the reason why the line's a little bit lower, too, is because the last impression we got out of South Carolina was them getting blown out of a bowl game against an ACC team, right? Like, I think that might be why the line's a little bit lower than it probably should be. Um, now, whether or not North Carolina's able to cover nine is an entirely different thing, right? Like. It's going to be an interesting season for the Tar Heels for a number of reasons, and I, I'm really, really curious to see what they get out of the quarterback position in particular. It sounds like Jace Reuter might get a little bit of playing time on Saturday, Mac Brown said, which is not something we were expecting. Um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year for Carolina. Um, I think offensively, they really need to find out, find something in the running game, obviously. The defense needs to take a step forward, and I think overall, they just need to be healthier than they've been in quite some time. I, I think that's what they need more than anything else. I just don't see it happening in this opener against South Carolina. I don't love the matchup. I think South Carolina is going to have too much speed on both sides of the football, and um, I think South Carolina wins. I don't know by how much, um, I do think Mac Brown will have Carolina ready to play. And anytime you throw a freshman quarterback into the mix, it's really just an unknown quantity. We saw, you know, good and bad with Jaron Williams in Miami on, uh, Saturday night. So it's just, you don't know what you're going to get a quarterback. And because of that, I just wouldn't touch this game from a spread perspective, unless you're really confident that North Carolina can give you anything on the offensive side of the football
0: yeah that's that's kind of where I'm at on this um I look, having covered them last year, I knew that they were like it's it's so it's so stupid to say they're better than their record, but they were better than their record right and they they did get sort of you know hurt by injuries and whatnot, so knowing both of those things because like the record was terrible, but they they, for the most part, were in almost every game they played, except, by the way, somewhat inexplicably, uh, ECU. But, you know, they were in a lot of games uh, last year. Some they had no business being in, by the way. Like, for instance, at Syracuse, like, that was a hitter for me. They literally needed Tommy DeVito. This is probably why I'm so high on Tommy DeVito, um, to come in and win that game, because they're dungeon I think if he stayed in that game, I think Carolina wins it. But they were able to sort of snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, like, so many times last season in close games. But then you look at that and you go, wow, you know, they were so decimated by injury and everything else, and they were still able to sort of, like, hang in there against some teams they had no business hanging in there against. And so you wonder, like, does some of their luck start to turn around a little bit? Does the Mac factor, I guess, like, (laughs) propel them to do some things that maybe they weren't able to get over the hump and do last? I don't know. I mean, like you said, though, I just think they're out matched. You know what I mean? And I think I think that's true of a lot of the first few games of the season for them. They don't have one of those games that a lot of teams have where they're playing a team that they're way better than and they can get some confidence. They don't have one of those games. Like yeah. they've got app. They've got wake. Like this is not ideal for North Carolina and for this team that has a lot of youth on it to sort of get confidence. And and so yeah, I don't I don't love them in this game. Um you don't want to trust Carolina South Carolina to do much of anything either, but you know, I, I just, the, I don't know that I would touch it either in terms of the spread. I really just don't know that I would touch that at all. Um, and the over-under honestly feels a little high because I don't know what to expect from North Carolina's offense either.
1: I was almost leaning the over there. The, the total there is 63.5, by the way, if I didn't mention that. I i feel like with Phil Longo's offense, I say these things like, yeah, they're going to score a bunch of points. Then again, you're starting like a true freshman quarterback, Sam right. Howell, for the first time in school history. So That's I, the thing. And like
0: that. I think it looks like that's the second yeah that's the second highest over under on the board like that feels a little ambitious unless you're just anticipating South Carolina's going to score on that point all those points which is not reflected in that line
1: but is that such like a crazy idea though with as bad as UNC's defense has been the last couple of years like
0: well right but like the line is minus nine So it's like, well, do you think South Carolina is going to score all the points,
1: you know? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know, so I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's
0: part of the thing too, though, is that their quarterback play has been such a big, big issue since, since Mitch Trubisky has been there. That's been, it's that they have not had good quarterback play, just full out, flat out. It has not been near good enough. And the Jace Ritter thing, um. I think part of that, and this is just a, this is pure speculation on my part, was since Cade Fortin's already gone to the transfer portal. I'm sure some of that. Um, I'm not saying he's not going to play uh, Jace Ruder because I think he might, but some of that might just be a way for Mac to be like, "Hey, please don't transfer. I need another scholarship." Quarterback.
2: It's fair. <laughs> it's a fair point. There you go,
1: Mike. I think I'm going to lean with USC here to cover nine and a half. I don't. I don't like that much outside of ten. By the way, you were mentioning Lauren the the total here and kind of the spread and all that, and I think the, so. The implied score here is like thirty seven twenty seven, which doesn't sound crazy. But then again, yeah, you you wonder about how quickly UNC is going to uptake the the new systems that they're bringing in with their coordinators. So, all right, that's up for discussion. Uh, I'm going to go with USC to cover, but I don't feel great about it. I I almost like the over, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to handicap UNC whatsoever at this point. The
0: one thing I can tell you about trying to predict, um, like UNC South Carolina or even NC State South Carolina, is that like you can't, and it never plays out the way you think it should or in a way that makes sense. So for me, giving you all the logical reasons it will go under,
1: it'll probably just go over and be like some ridiculous shootout. That sounds that's valid. Yeah, it definitely hasn't been a game that like behaves historically. So no. Keep that in mind. Mike, did I get a pick from you on that one? Uh, I'm going to go UNC to cover. What the hell? Let's do it. UNC plus the points. Yeah, you're not getting out of this one. You're on the record. That's cool. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, let's move on. Same time, we're moving from ESPN to ABC, and this might be the first, like, quote-unquote primetime game that Duke has played on ABC in several years. But oh, dear. Yeah, uh, the Duke Blue Devils, okay. they uh, they got the short end of the straw here. They get a... a Pissed off, slighted, uh, number two, Nick Saban, Alabama football team. This is in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Alabama is a mere 35-point favorite, Mike, and I am tempted to say that my walk of the week is Alabama covering 35 in this game because I don't think they're going to let up easy at all. Well,
2: Lauren's lucky here, and Joey, this is something I did not discuss with you, but uh, this is a new segment. We're going to call this the ACC's uh, Cover Your Eyes Game of the Week. Um Duke is going to die on Saturday. This is going to be very very bad.
0: dreading this all I have been
1: actively dreading this for all of the Duke players. I feel like we've all kind of cringed every time we've thought about this game coming up. Yeah.
2: And if you want to try to find a way for like Duke to cover, you're like, "Oh, well, coach Cutcliffe, uh, he knows how to get his guys ready to play." Um and then you remember that Duke's Duke's corners have to cover maybe the deepest wide receiver group that I've ever seen, right? Like, they have Henry Ruggs, they have Jerry Judy, um, and those are just their top two receivers. They are loaded um, on the outside, and they have two a quarterback who's a great pick to win the Heisman. Um, yeah, Alabama wins and covers – I'm thinking like 52-10 to 10 or something, and Duke scoring 10 points might be a lot. I, I, I don't know. This is going to be real, real bad.
0: I guess uh, there's two things worth considering here um, in Duke's favor. One is that I think we have seen Duke teams in the past um, inexplicably sort of hang with top-tier teams that, in ways that I think surprise us. Like, for example, Louisville in Lamar Jackson's Heisman season. Um, we were, I think, all surprised, I know I was, to see them, like, hang in that game by basically playing keep away. Yep. Then we also saw them last year at Clemson. Well, Clemson ended up controlling the game, but it was certainly closer than a lot of us thought it would be for a while. Now, like you said, the important difference is that Alabama is mad. Um <laughs> and Duke is like basically overmatched all over the field. So there's those two things. And then there's also um on the other side though, sort of working against like the the blowout is I, I do think Nick Saban, like most coaches in, in college football seemingly, respects Coach Cutcliffe a lot and, and thinks highly of him, and I don't think he would want to humiliate him, even for effect. Um, but, I mean, you could see 52-10 to 10 or something like that happening relatively easily without it being a humiliation, too. So, this is just, all I know is that playing, I mean, Duke's played Alabama before um, under Cutcliffe, and it did not i mean it just like it did horrible things to that team for the rest of the season i hope that that's not true again because it's something that i feel like you've seen it with florida state and with louisville in years past and it just will physically devastate you to play a team like that and and i think that's what i worry about the most for them but yeah it's uh it does certainly feel like alabama could absolutely cover that if they wanted to
1: you completely agree i mean with such a, a talent and physicality differential there like you almost wonder if there is a consideration from the Duke coaching staff of like, at what point do we cut bait and try to keep, you know, our our, our quarterback situation healthy? Try to keep our you know, our offensive line healthy. Something. I mean, not only again, Alabama. Last time we saw them was getting the doors blown off by Clemson in front of God and everyone, um, and. You know that they've been just extra focused and, like we've said, pissed off all offseason, ready to write that. And then they show up against Duke, who's got to replace their quarterback, all of their top receivers, and both offensive tackles. Not to mention, like, their two best players on defense and everything. I mean, there's just not I, – I feel better about Alabama covering this than I do about Clemson covering against Georgia Tech. Like, I this is a huge spread, even a little bit smaller, and I, I am fully confident Alabama's covering this. And, by the way, you guys have mentioned the 52-10 to 10 thing. I would be absolutely tickled if Duke could get blown out in a in a uh week one game like this primetime game and still somehow keep it closer than USC did there a few years ago. <laughs> it's definitely possible. It really <laughs> is. That's on the table. Um total's fifty seven and a half. I don't mind the over. I mean
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that feels like an over situation to
1: me.
2: Alabama's gonna have to do most of the scoring there, but I think they can.
1: I think yep. they can. I think they can. All right, I'll mark us both down for overs. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. Four o'clock, back on the ACC network. Mike, this is your Virginia Tech Hokies, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite in Chestnut Hill against the uh, the dudes, as it were, the Boston College Eagles. Hell yeah, uh, so, let's get weird. Oh, yeah, it's getting weird. We we talked about in, in the previews that this is, like, low-key, probably one of the more interesting-slash-important like games of the season for both of these teams. I mean, this is a tone setter for a Virginia Tech team trying to redeem itself and a Boston College team trying to finally, like, really get over the hump. Um, I am really fascinated at this game, Lauren, and and kind of what might happen here. Yeah, I mean, it's two of the only returning
0: quarterbacks in the ACC. I mean, there's there's not a huge abundance of those, certainly, and... Look, I think four and a half to, or four and a half or four, or whatever it is, feels a little bit like Vegas shrugging its shoulders, which is kind of my general reaction to this game. Um, when you hear the words uh, that most have said about Boston College, like that the offense has to carry this team, and you think about like what this offense has been under Steve Addazio, that's not the most inspiring thought, um, and that is a little worrisome. And you go, okay, that's not good. Um, but you know, Virginia Tech has questions to answer defensively for sure and, and on both sides of all but definitely defensively so and we've seen virginia tech like let's be honest we've seen virginia tech lose stupid games so they have no business losing so like it's not completely out of the question to think that they could lose this game i think they're the better team virginia tech um but you know going up there and uh, you know who knows aj dylan's tough and and what's this defense gonna look like there's just a lot of question marks and i think that's kind of why the line is where it's at like Virginia Tech's the better team, but uh, we don't
2: know what's going to happen here. <laughs> yeah, Virginia Tech's young, especially on the defensive line, which is a problem when you're playing a team that loves to run the football with A.J. Dillon. Um, the defensive line is an is an area for Virginia Tech where I think there's going to be more questions than answers for a majority of the year. And I think that the front seven as a whole for Virginia Tech will essentially make or break how good this defense is. Um, and I think we're going to get a pretty good taste of, you know, how improved this defense is going to be in game one here against Boston college um, you know, you guys will remember a year ago, Virginia tech went to Tallahassee beat Florida state in the opener and the defense looked phenomenal. And then, you know, really didn't look the same the rest of the year, but um, you know, Florida state had a couple of runs in that game that were troublesome, right? I mean, cam Akers took one around the edge for essentially 75, 80 yards got tackled before the end zone. And they had a couple of inside runs in that game where they had some success, but outside of that, uh, Florida State didn't have a lot going in the passing game, which is why Virginia Tech was able to was able to uh, keep that game close early, and then ultimately pull away there late uh, and win that game. I think what's more important for Virginia Tech here in the opener against Boston College is obviously the ability to stop the run, and I think if you're confident that Virginia Tech can stop the run against a guy like A.J. Dillon in Boston College, I think you're going to feel a lot better about the Hokies and the rest of their schedule because look, the schedule's not all that good. They have two FCS games. They got to win seven games to get to bowl eligibility, which considering what we saw last year out of Virginia Tech is an ask, right? Um, I think most expect them to be better, but you still got to win seven guys. Um, I like Virginia Tech to win this game. I do think they cover four. Um, I think they find a way to stop A.J. Dillon and, While Anthony Brown is the best quarterback that Boston College has had in a while, I don't trust him to go and win the game with the receivers that Boston College has if Virginia Tech does find a way to stop A.J. Dillon. I just think the Hokies have more ways to win this game than Boston College, and even on the road in this spot, I like the Hokies to win and cover. Yep,
1: I agree. Mike, you mentioned Anthony Brown. I think that's probably my biggest issue with this game um, is that, like you mentioned, I mean – we talked a little bit with Dan Rubin in the preview that, like, I, I don't believe that Anthony Brown is as good a passer as some people want to make him out to be. I mean, he's had a couple of really good games passing, and then you look and it's, like, against the worst defenses that he's played. And then against any average to above-average defense, it's been bad. Um, you know, barely 50% completions, barely more touchdowns than turnovers. I mean, it's it gets pretty bad pretty quickly. And, and with Virginia Tech, I mean, as bad as their defense was last year, they're getting healthy plus Bud Foster's last stand here, this is going to be a, a thing to watch. Um, I Yeah, I, I believe that Virginia Tech is probably going to be good enough to go in and win this game on the road to, to start off the season. But that also feels like a little bit of a dangerous thing to really believe and trust in at the moment, especially with all the things that have gone on at Virginia Tech in the last, call it, nine, ten months. Um, so I'm going to roll with your Hokies here, but I, I don't feel the best about it. We'll say that. Okay. Fair. Road favorite week one in a conference game is an interesting place to be, I guess. <laughs> a
2: lot of trust, baby. A lot of trust.
1: Well, you know how I feel about that, Justin Fuente and his coaching staff right now. So, Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. We'll, I know. We'll find out. Um, all right, let's move on. Six o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. And by the way, for those unfamiliar, this is not like watch ESPN or something that you just – get with your cable package. This is a pay-per-view oh, no. service. You have to pay extra for this. Yeah, you're paying extra to watch Syracuse play against Liberty. Uh, not only so s- then I
0: am not paying extra for
1: this. <laughs> yeah, certainly not. Um, Syracuse, <laughs> not only playing against Liberty, they're playing at Liberty. This is in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, the number 22 orange, they're an 18-point favorite on the road. Um, Liberty under new management. Our old friend Walt, no, Walt Bell's at UMass, sorry, never mind. Oh, no. No, no, this is Hugh Freeze. This is your boy, Hugh Freeze. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, um, enjoying all all the sights and vices in in, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, as it were. But, um, yeah, Syracuse, kind of a big favorite. I don't actually hate this at all. Tommy DeVito stepping in, taking over this orange offense, and going up against a Liberty team that was pretty bad at a lot of times last year. And as as much as Hugh Freeze's teams at Ole Miss kind of had some really good offenses at times, I I don't think that you're going to see a bunch of that. and I I think this is going to be a really strong start for Syracuse. I trust Dino Babers and his staff. I'm going to go Syracuse big here, maybe something like 45 to 10. Oh,
0: wow. That's a lot of trust in the Syracuse defense, which I hope that you're right for Syracuse's sake, because I think they're going to need more from their defense this year and more from their run game. Than they've been getting. Um, I think they can get those things, but if they don't, I think you're going to be putting a little bit too much on Devito, who I do like. But um, you know, I think they've got a ways to go to prove that he's at like Eric Dungey level of gamer. Um, who was that guy was just ridiculous. But yeah, I mean. I- Yeah, I don't know. Syracuse is tough because they've had some um, rather interesting, especially early season games. Um, What was it? Central Michigan, I think, last year? They won like 68 to 50 or something stupid like that. I forget what the score was, but it was like, okay, this is obviously like more than the basketball teams would score if these two teams faced off. So um, the up tempo thing, I think, works in your favor for sure if you're Syracuse most of the time. But I think it can at times. And we see this in other um, programs that are fun more of the up-tempo style, it can work against you at times, too, because you're you're letting the defense, or you're letting the opposing offense back on the field quickly, too, and um, that can tire out your defense a bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I like Syracuse. I did rank them in my top 25. I know not everybody did. Um, I ranked them in mine. Um, part of that was what they achieved last year. Um, I just, to see them take a step like that, it, I, I need them to I would love to see them win a game like this by that margin um, because I feel like when we've seen them in moments like this against teams that are like decent, they don't do that. Um, but they have generally crushed FCS teams that they outmatch. And that may be the case here too. Liberty lost a decent amount.
2: Yeah. I, I don't have a ton of trust in Syracuse's defense. Um, not that it matters in this game, but just in general. Um yeah. <laughs> so as a result of that, I don't hate the over here. Um, over under 68 and a half. I think Syracuse is more than capable of putting up 45 or 50 points. Um, I think that Liberty can score enough to hit the over. I think Syracuse covers here. Like like you both, I, I really like Tommy DeVito. Um, I think he's in for a big year. Um, he looked really good in relief of Eric Dungy last year, and that was enough for me to you know, at least have some confidence in him heading into this season and what he's going to be. And obviously he was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school. So there's, there is talent there. Uh, It's just, it's a very weird road game for Syracuse going to Lynchburg, right? Like that's a very strange environment. Um, It's not a huge stadium. It's, I I don't know. You're playing on a pay-per-view service for ESPN. I mean, a lot could go wrong here um, (laughs) from a spread perspective, um, I, I think Syracuse wins and covers. If I'm betting this game at all, it's going to be betting the over 68.5. Don't hate it.
1: They did score a bunch of points against all three of their non conference, uh, non power five opponents last year. I mean, they had Western Michigan on the road, like you mentioned, Lauren, 55 42. Um, that game did start to go a little bit more sideways than it should have. Um, Wagner, 62 10, Connecticut, 51 21. So they put up at least fifty points in all three of those games, which is kind of nice. Yeah. I I'm going to go back to 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 what I was really kind of attracted to here with with this Syracuse offense coming in, knowing that they're they're changing changing out the quarterback a little bit, going to Tommy DeVito, but more so knowing that he is going to be surrounded by upperclassmen everywhere, um, and and knowing that there's going to be juniors and seniors surrounding him both at running back and in the receiving core. I I tend to think that that limits your. Um, your I guess floor on on offense in week one you know you talk about some of the the things that that would kind of go wrong or would be you know some rust to knock off I I don't think you're going to see as much of that with as many seniors as he's got around him so I still feel pretty good about it I think if I say that they're going to blow out Liberty it's probably more a a referendum on what I think of Liberty more so than uh, necessarily thinking that Syracuse is is world beaters Um, but I think they're, they're pretty solid so I'm going to go with Syracuse to cover here. Um, and I almost leave me under, but then again, yeah, it's probably putting a little more faith in that Syracuse defense, which admittedly, Mike, our boy, Nate Mink, uh, got me pretty hyped up about Syracuse's defense this year. So he was fired up, man. He was, um, and I was too, admittedly. So under, under probably not a good play in a Syracuse game at this point, especially against again, non-conference, non-power five opponents. Um, None of those games last year were uh, anywhere near going under 68. So keep that in mind. Um, let's move on. 7 o'clock on ESPN in Jacksonville, Florida. Florida State is uh, in a technically neutral site game, but it's more like a home game in an NFL stadium. No chance the this Bo- doesn't get weird, right? My gosh. Against the Boise State Broncos, Florida State's a five-and-a-half point favorite here. Um, Lauren, are we sure why Florida State is favored in this game?
0: I would imagine that some of it has to do with, um, I might call it like the Dallas Cowboys effect, where um, you know it's a team that Vegas knows that betters like, and they see that name and they will gravitate towards it. Because I think this line started out way bigger, like eight or something like that, and and it went down to this, which I was puzzled that it would have even started out that high. But look, I I, I think that's probably the biggest reason. Maybe some of it's travel related. I don't exactly know off the top of my head Boise's record, like going this far east and whatever it is at this time of year. I don't know. Um, that's literally the only thing I could think of because, I mean, there was only one of these teams um, that I entertained putting in my top 25, and it was not the Seminoles. So, uh, look, do I think they'll be better? Yes. But, again, as we talked about, like, with ECU, what does better look like? Their offensive line was a train wreck.
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot of just blind faith in Florida State because – Kendall Bryles right and like he's never had a bad offense before and I think there's just a lot of faith that you know it'll just be kind of like two snaps of his fingers and you know all of a sudden the you know Florida State offense will be better and the offensive line will be better and James Blackman will be more efficient and they'll be more consistent in the running game with Cam Akers it's just like a lot to ask right out of Florida State yes I think they'll be better too um, how much better I think is really going to be a question on how much this offensive line's improved. I mean, it's really that simple. Uh, it was so, so, so bad last year up front and there needs, to, they're just,
0: yeah, you, yeah you, you can't do anything in college football without at least a functional offensive line. Can they get to functional? I guess we'll see, but they weren't even close last year. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, I I'm in show me mode with them right now.
1: It really sucks when you're like, functional would be an upgrade. That's that's not a good place to be.
0: And a big upgrade. Like, that's how bad it was. It was like Wake Forest and Dave Clausen's first season bad. It was that bad.
2: <laughs> it was. Um, and then the quarterback play wasn't very good either. And now you're getting James Blackman on a more of a full-time basis, which I don't know how good that is for anybody, really. Um, and I also <laughs> don't know.
0: Yeah, I like Black. I don't know why. I think it's just because, like, and look, I don't blame DeAndre Francois because he's probably all of us in that situation where he just seemed so beaten down, like, literally and physically by it all that he seemed ready to just sort of hang it up mentally. Um, And Blackman had a little bit of moxie and and had a little bit of – I don't want to say toughness because that's not fair to DeAndre Francois, but you know what I mean? Like, he had a little bit more, I think – you know, he seemed to inspire a little bit more in his teammates and, and he had a little bit more I think Moxie is a fine word to use there he 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 impressed me um, he's not perfect he's, he's a little more raw than Francois for sure but I, I liked him in the time that we saw him now like you said do we see him full time good for anybody I don't know but I liked him last year at times.
2: Do they get enough out of the running game I think is the question for me right like they have the talent there um, with Cam Akers it's just whether or not they get enough out of that and You know, he was a highly touted recruit—a guy that I think a lot of people were expecting to be the next great running back at Florida State, right? A guy who could succeed Dalvin Cook and just be a guy to take, you know, take the bull by the horns and really just take the running game to the next level and kind of continue the dominance that Florida State had on the ground under Jimbo Fisher. And they really just haven't found that with Cam Akers either in his freshman year or a year ago. Um, you know, Willie Taggart, I don't think used him all that effectively last year. But then again, like the offensive line was so bad. How much of that do you pin on Taggart? So it's a lot of questions to be answered at Florida State. Meanwhile, Boise has the potential to be one of the best group of five teams in the country this year, which is why I think they have a great chance here to pull the upset. The reason why I think it's five and a half is because, like we mentioned, the Wake Forest game, they're coming across the country, right? And I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, like you mentioned, Lauren, like it's Florida State, right? The Dallas Cowboys effect, I think, was a great way to put it. Like, I think that accounts for another point or two on the spread. Um, I'm not betting this game. I think this is going to be one of the more competitive games of the weekend. Um, I'm going to take and Joey. I didn't say this on the season preview of Florida State, so you're going to have to forgive me. I didn't didn't have didn't have the balls to pick this. Um, the, the way I'm about to pick this right now, I'm taking Boise State to upstate, upset Florida State here uh, in the opener. I think Boise finds a way to get it done. I think Florida State will be better. I don't know how much better they're going to be, and I'm not sure they're going to have it all together in game one here. And, you know, the offensive line is an issue, and I think Boise State's defense is going to be able to expose that. I like the Broncos here in an upset.
1: Boise outright. I had a I had a thought. and This is going to sound a little weird, but I can probably explain what I mean by it. Is if if you told me right now what Florida State's record is going to be in like mid October, and just told me that if you told me that in mid October Florida State is like three and three, I would tell you exactly how I feel about this game. Is because either I feel like this is going to be a bit of a tone setter, right? Is either Florida State is going to be you know quote back or you know it's going to be way better than they were last year and and all that and all that's going to show itself. Or they're not, and you're right. Boise's just going to win the game outright, and, and like that's what I'm looking at is almost in a way like, yeah, Boise is a five and a half point underdog. But if you if you want to bet Boise, you know, plus the five and a half, you might as well just get Boise plus one eighty on the money line. I think um, if Boise's keeping it that close, I feel like they're probably just winning the game. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you're you're basically betting Boise's you know consistency and, and generally above average team against do you think Florida state is going to be a lot better than last year or more of kind of what they were last year in a lot of ways? Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to totally cop out. I'm going to take Boise state in the points, but I'm going to say Florida state wins by like three. I, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I don't feel great about it though. And and I, I am thoroughly curious to see how this goes. I, I think Florida state is one of the most intriguing teams in the conference this year and like, the way that they turn out can kind of really swing some things on how the entire conference shakes out in terms of who's good and who's not. Um, they should be better in so many ways, but it, it's it's definitely going to be pretty hard to uh, really reconstruct that offensive line in one off season. So I'm going to say Florida State gets it done, but just barely. So I'm going to take the points in Boise. Um, total here is 54 and a half. I don't really have opinions on that. I don't think. Anybody, nobody, okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, I, yeah, I, I don't either at that point. Um, but, yeah, I like Boise as well.
1: Fair enough. All right, let's move on. 7.30 on the ACC Network. This is closing out your Saturday. Uh, and, again, this is the, what, fourth game of the weekend on the ACC Network. So, if you don't have it, you're still not getting this. This is another conference game. Uh, Mike, your Virginia Cavaliers, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. <laughs> two-and-a-half-point road favorite at the Pitt Panthers. Um, speaking of like tone setting, important games up front. I mean, the ACC really like we didn't put a whole lot of like game of the year candidates up front, but like really important games in terms of like teams kind of jostling for position. This is another one of them. Um, Virginia, a road favorite against Pitt. I I picked Virginia to win the coastal. I think if I'm picking Virginia to win the coastal, they probably have to win this game on Saturday. Yes. Yes, they do. They do have to win it. And it's been a... It's been
0: like a weird thing, I think, between these two where, I mean, like Virginia was, you know, I think the better team probably a year ago, but they couldn't win the game. And so um, I saw, I think apparently like John Deason was on um, doing a radio interview, the new AC network analyst, and he said it's going to take a lot for like Pitt to have a chance. I'm like, well, they won last year you know, yeah <laughs> you know like it's not that crazy um and, and that's the thing like you said i think it is a tone setter i think it's the game virginia has to win because they should win and it'll tell us a lot about where virginia is at and i don't think quite as much about pitt um but it'll definitely tell us a
2: lot about where virginia is and what we can expect for them moving forward and they need to win this one i think virginia is a totally fair pick to win the coastal division right but the fact that John Beeson goes on ACC Network and says, "Yeah, like everything's going to have to go right for Pittsburgh. I mean, is Virginia really that good? Right? Like, I mean, I think
0: John's new. Like John, he's new to this. He'll learn.
2: Yeah. Um. I mean, it's fine. Totally fine. Um. Bryce Perkins is the known commodity in the coastal. Right. Like that's why Virginia is a popular pick because we saw what he was able to do last year." um he makes the difference in this football game right like he makes up the two and a half point yeah. difference right totally Bryce Perkins even on the road um I like Virginia to win and cover I don't have a lot of opinions on this I just don't really know what we're going to see out of Pittsburgh um they have talent in the running back room right it's just unproven uh you don't have Darren Hall you don't have Quadri Olson anymore but you still have Army All-Americans on the roster at running back, right? Like Pat Narduzzi continues to recruit well at the running back position. So you know Pitt's going to try to run the football. It's whether or not Virginia can stop it with their defense. And they return a lot on the defense, right? But um, they do have some losses in the front seven that would concern you if Pittsburgh did have a running back like Allison or Hall on the team. And maybe they do, and maybe we know these guys by midseason, right? Um, But, you know, Virginia, there's more knowns than unknowns with Virginia. And, you know, you're really, really going to have to convince me that Kenny Pickett's going to be enough to propel Pittsburgh's offense forward in this opener against the Virginia defense should actually be pretty good this year. So I like Virginia to win here and cover. I think the defense makes enough plays. And I just think Bryce Perkins is enough to make the difference here And two and a half point spread. I think they win and cover um over under 45 and a half i'm not touching that one way or another i have no idea what direction that's going to go
1: i i i continue to have some problems really believing in kenny pickett i think even with some new coaching and a new a bit of a new offensive scheme we'll say i like i mentioned on, on one of our previews is like i feel like kenny pickett's gonna be that one guy who on his headstone one day says also he had that one game against miami like that's that's the one thing that we keep going back to is, like, this is his shining moment. I was listening to uh, another podcast recently it was, uh, on the Solid Verbal. I, I think it was Dan that keeps kind of – as he's looking to evaluate teams, he he keeps making the point of of kind of it boils down to quarterback play and defense. And I think that that's a really good way of of trying to consolidate my thoughts about teams. And, and it's, I, I thought it was pretty insightful. And if I evaluate this game on quarterback play and defense – I'm pretty sure I feel better about UVA's defense, and I'm really yeah. sure. I'm really sure I feel better about UVA's quarterback. And only giving them, you know, only losing two and a half points, you know, in a road game like that, I think I got to go with Virginia to cover here. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to assess that.
0: Honestly, I, I have to agree with that because, yeah, like you said, they have a big advantage at both spots, and um, that's yeah, I, I have
1: to agree. So that might be pick of the week territory, Mike. Keep that in mind. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. <laughs> 45 and a half. I almost lean under there. I don't feel like either of these teams is really going to blow up the other one on the scoreboard. So 45, not, not many points, but might say under that. Keep that in mind. Um, all right. Last game of the weekend, and it's not really even the weekend except for this weekend. It's uh, Monday night. It's Labor Day, uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN. The number nine Notre Dame fighting Irish going to Pop, no, not Papa John's, just regular Cardinal Stadium uh, in Louisville. R.I.P. Papa John. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame a twenty point favorite against the Cardinals, and I I feel like this line is very intentional. It's like just inside of three touchdowns. So basically, yeah. do you think that Louisville is going to be like good enough and is going to care enough to keep it within three touchdowns? I yeah. I am super curious to see what game one of the Scott Satterfield era looks like.
0: I think those are kind of separate questions, right? Do I think they care enough? Yes. Do I think that that will matter enough? I don't know. Because, look, the this, this Notre Dame team brings back quite a bit, including their quarterback, um, from a year ago. And this is a college football playoff team. like. Mm-hmm. And Louisville was pretty much the exact opposite of a college football playoff team. So <laughs> I, I like Satterfield, and I think that they'll be better, and I think that they will care. But... Yeah, that you're right. That's like right on the edge of, of in terms of like what's what kind of line I would take because I still think Notre Dame is the way better team and when I first looked at that line I was like it feels low but then yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's probably about right about where it should be.
2: Yeah, feels like Notre Dame's gonna win in cover here. Um defensively, like You got to really convince me that Jawan Pass, a quarterback for Louisville, is going to be able to move the ball on a Notre Dame defense that was very, very good a year ago and returns a ton of talent, especially in the back end of their secondary. Um, there is a lot to be excited about um, in Notre Dame's defense, right? Um, We talk about the offense with Ian Book. Lauren, I think that's a great point. I think returning him for another year is really important. Um, I think Notre Dame's offense will be good once again, but they do lose some talent there, right? Miles Boykin on the outside. Dexter Williams at running back was very good a year ago. Um, A game changer in the running game that Notre Dame no longer has. I I do think that that matters in games when they're not playing Louisville. Um, but since they're playing Louisville, even in the, on the road in a prime time spot, I don't see any reason to pick against Notre Dame covering that three touchdown spread. But I do expect Louisville to be better. I think they'll play harder, and I think they'll be better coached. Um, and I, I think all that matters down the line. But this is going to be ugly here in the opener. I like Notre Dame win winning cover here.
1: That's the the thing that I think we have to keep in mind here is that I don't think that you know as bad as Louisville's team was last year. I don't think that it was because they're just devoid of talent. That That is yeah, not, that's not the issue. I mean, the, the issue was is way more one of, again, some occasionally poor coaching, but certainly a lot of poor motivation and players just like almost outright quitting at times. Like you don't get the obscenely bad results that they got in the last like six games of last year if the players are actually trying for 60 minutes. Um, and Ethan Moore talked a lot about that in, in our Louisville preview Is that Scott Satterfield has made it such a point going in there of getting guys to buy in and not quit at things. You know, if you get down two scores, don't quit and just, you know, forget it. So I think with that in mind, that's probably why I'm going to pick Louisville to cover. Not by much. I think it's like a 17, 18 point game. But especially if Notre Dame starts to let off the gas in the fourth quarter, Louisville is going to make it a point to keep trying and keep pushing. Um, and there is some talent. They can still do a couple things. So I'm going to say Louisville covers. It might be a backdoor cover kind of situation, but, um, Louisville covers, but Notre Dame still wins pretty comfortably. I, I, I don't think Louisville is going to put any sort of scare into, uh, into Notre Dame at this point, unfortunately. Um, I'm sure this game looked way better, like three years ago when we were talking about when it was going to be happening on, <laughs> on Labor Day or whatever, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this like sentence out loud, but I feel like Notre Dame is, is being somewhat undervalued coming into the season. Whoa. <laughs> uh, that's not a thing we're used to having happen, but I do kind of feel like that's the case. And, um, you know, I, I just I like Scott Satterfield a lot. I think you could make the case that that was the best ACC hire, um, but I don't think that's going to be enough. One of the things I thought was kind of funny at the end of last year was that um, as as much as Notre Dame kind of got blown out by Clemson in, in the uh, Cotton Bowl, I guess it was, in the uh, Final Four game, they kept it closer than Alabama did, technically.
0: Oh, Clemson's, I forget who the, uh, gosh, what was the offensive lineman's name who was at ACC kickoff? I can't believe I forgot his name already because that's shame on me, but um, he pointed that out as well, I believe, and said like. Notre
1: Dame was the best team we played because they kept it closer than Alabama did. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's the best. God, I love it. I'm never going to get tired of throwing shade at Alabama and how bad (laughs) that game was. It's the best. That is the best. All right. All right, Uh, Mike, that's all 10 games on the slate. And now, as is tradition, at the end of our preview podcast, it's time to come up with a pick of the week. And your your spreads and your totals are all uh, fair game here. You have a pick of the week to, to kick us
2: off? Which one do you want, Joey? Do you want that UVA minus two and a half? Do you want that one? You, you you called it out loud here on the podcast. I feel like I almost have to give it to you unless you
1: like one better. I I might take that one. I, I'm i still a little tempted by the over 59 and a half in Georgia Tech Clemson. I, I feel like there's going to be some points in that one. Um, yeah, I'm going to take UVA minus two and a half. Take the road okay. favorite. What could possibly go wrong? That's fine. I already bet this line, um,
2: so I'm going to roll with it. First of all, I bet UVA minus two and a half, um, and I I think that's one that, you know, if you're actually putting actual dollars on the game, definitely look at that. Um, Another one I I placed a bet on already that I'll go with for my pick of the week, Joey, is the under 58 in the Virginia Tech-Boston College game. Um, I think Virginia Tech's offense can score... Between 24 and 30 points on Boston College. And, you know, even if they get to the high end of that total, um, are you really all that confident that Boston College is going to A, cover the spread and score like 28 points and B, even score in the 20s, right? Um, Look, I think that this is going to be a pretty competitive game up there. Um, but I just don't see a scenario really where this game gets into the 60s, which is basically what the line is asking for at this point. I just I have a really hard time trusting the two offenses and the two defenses. Even, um, you know, even if you don't think the Boston College's defense is going to be all that great this year, even if you don't think Virginia Tech's defense is going to be all that improved, do you really trust a scenario where A.J. Dillon gets stimmied a couple times and then all of a sudden Anthony Brown needs to be relied on through the air to score some points and then likewise how much do you trust Virginia Tech's offense right because it was really in fits and starts throughout the better part of last year as well so I, I just I really like the under in that game Joey I'm going to take it
1: is it too late to change my pick to Alabama minus 35 against Duke <laughs> no gosh that's <laughs> really tempting it's a stupid line to say that I think they're going to cover, but man, I, I'm so certain they're going to cover that. Yeah, what the hell? I'm I'm backing off the UVA selection. I still like UVA, but I think I feel even better about Alabama covering 35. I respect and all that that Saban has for Cutcliffe, and Cutcliffe does have a, a propensity for like playing keep away in these games and like limiting possessions so that his team doesn't get too much of the crap kicked out of him. I guess so. There's that, but I'm just. I don't know that they've got what it takes from a talent standpoint to even slog that game down against Duke. I'm just going to take Bama minus the 35. And, you know, my, my softball team buddies that went to Alabama are just going to feel better about that for me. Um, I tried to convince them like two years ago that Florida State was certainly going to cover, what, 13 or something. And they, they should have. And then, like, special teams happened, and it was bad. And also, DeAndre Francois got injured and broke his leg or whatever it was. Whoops. Not great. Week one weirdness is uh, inevitably going to be the death of me. So, all right, I'm going Alabama minus 35 against Duke because I'm not very good at this, we'll say. Um, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? Anything else for Lauren while we got her? I think we're good. Lauren, do you have a pick? I,
2: I know you might not have the spreads in front of you, but is there anything that we mentioned yeah. that – I was going to
0: say, I think I would probably – I like Notre Dame to cover against Louisville. Yeah. Um, I also like um, UNC South Carolina to hit the under. Um, I know that that's like, I know that's trusting a lot. But I, I don't, I mean, I don't think South Carolina's going to score like 50 points. Um, and I don't know how many UNC's going to score. So yeah, I, I tend to, I like that under actually. Like to me, for that to be the second highest over under is not, Accurate, so yeah, I I I tend to think that that's going to go under. Actually, watch me be super wrong. I should know better than to bet anything related to that game (laughs) ever. But I I just it goes against every instinct I have about that game. So yeah, I do like that. That's
1: that's at least the second or third time you've pointed out that that's the the second highest total on the board, and every time you mention it, I'm. That's ridiculous, right? Like that seems silly. That's what I'm saying. Is like every time you mention it, I'm more and more like coming around to your point that like that's that's probably too many points for those two teams. Yeah. Especially knowing that Will Muschamp coaches one of them. Like. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I like Jake Bentley's
0: nice and all, but like,
1: come on. They're not trying to light up a scoreboard over there in Columbus. So. No, they're in fact they actively avoid it. Almost had it. Almost had it. Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. Well, Lauren, this has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for coming on to join yeah, us. It's course. wonderful having college football back, and we're so thankful to have you on. Um, you want to remind the people one more time where they can find your stuff if they're looking for it?
0: Uh, yeah, uh articles, videos, um, anything you want. And Panic Rooms with Joe Obias, who is also a radio host of 99.9, um, so we'll be active when it comes to those during the football season. Um, And, um, I should be tweeting out SB Nation stuff, uh, soon enough here. I hope to have the first episode out this Thursday, and hope to have a guest that many of y'all might know, Bud Elliott, on with me, um, to troll Florida and Miami fans after week zero, (laughs) and help me make some sense out of Florida State, Boise State as well, um, in addition to breaking down the rest of the league, because he really knows his stuff. But yeah, that should be out on Thursday, um, Check out my Twitter at Ellie Brownlow. Um, Hopefully
1: SB Nation will tweet it out as well. But, yeah, you should be able to find it on Thursday. Absolutely. Go check that out. An ACC podcast. Is it an an ACC podcast or an ACC football podcast?
0: An ACC podcast because we will be doing basketball as well.
1: Okay, okay. So maybe we can still be the football podcast and then – You'll be the ACC podcast. Sure. In
0: fact, I could even like do an ACC podcast and then in parentheses write football too because, you know, that would seem to – people would just assume it's basketball, right,
1: unless I added that. But, no, I think I'll leave the parentheses out this time. Well, if you watch the first like 12 hours of ACC Network TV, (laughs) it was all basketball. So there's that. Pretty much. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate having you on and uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime soon. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. And best of luck on the new show. We look forward to listening to it. All right. Thanks y'all. Yep. We'll catch you later. All right, Mike, that's Lauren Brownlow. Uh, Once again, go check her out. All sorts of good stuff coming from her. She is uh, one of the primary people that I love following on on Twitter and such for all sorts of ACC content. Um, Wonderful, wonderful stuff coming from her. So go check her out. Um, We do need to get out of here um, and go check out some of those week one games. Um, in the meantime, while you're watching them, come come hit us up on Twitter. We'll be there. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can go follow Lauren on Twitter. She's at L.E. Brownlow um, to go check her out. Uh, Mike, you can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on the Overcast app, Stitcher, Breaker. It's taking everything I, I have, not to say the old place we used to be. Uh, we're on Spotify if you want to find us there. And you can also find us on the Anchor app, most importantly. So that's that's where you can find us. Go check us out there. Uh, Mike, they can send us their questions, comments, concerns. The longest email address, no demand, Conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, sir. And you want to tell them where they can find us in the social medias?
2: Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate
1: review. Find all of our podcasts there, Jerry. Hell yeah. As always. As always. Um, Mike. Are you ready for the season to start? Oh, my God. I'm so ready, man.
2: Week zero was not enough for me. I was telling Cam last night, Joey, I was watching FCS games like all day <laughs> Saturday. I, you know, I'm watching Villanova and Colgate. I'm watching uh, Youngstown State, the fighting Bo Pelinis play against Samford, right? So that was something. Um, I'll watch anything this time of year that's football related. Um, and I was checking those games out and then watched the – car wreck that was the Miami Florida State game or Miami Florida game excuse me Miami Florida State will be ugly too um but that that's for a later date and um that Arizona Hawaii game Joey I know we're the the ACC football podcast which is now something I'm gonna I'm gonna coin now that um now that Lauren's (laughs) going to play that game too um (laughs) um, we're we're the ACC football podcast I understand but um that Arizona Hawaii game was everything I love about college football wrapped up into a million turnovers. So that was great viewing too.
1: Yeah, it was. It, you can tell it's, it's like this late August timeframe because somebody asked you to do something and you ask them to wait till the commercial break of Colgate Villanova or something. Oh like yeah. That. Oh yeah. Because it, it is can't miss television right now. And by the way, Mike, I just realized we forgot the most important part of this show. Uh-oh. We're, we're out of practice here. Mike, there's one more game we got to talk about. Oh, no. I forgot about this. You forgot. Mike, the Bowling Green Falcons are a 21.5-point favorite at homing. It's Morgan State. It's too many points. It's too many points. Way too many. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, the Morgan State Bears are 21-and-a-half point underdogs, and you're betting the Bears, Mike. I'm betting the Bears, baby. You're telling me that Brian Van Gorder's defense is going to be
2: able to hold off Morgan State long enough to cover a 21-and-a-half point spread? Are we even confident that a Scott Loeffler coach team can score 21 (laughs) points? I'm not sure. Or 22 points, I guess, to cover? Oh, man. No. No shot. Morgan State covers the spread. And watch out, maybe that's my upset pick of the week, Joey.
1: Dude, Morgan State was like four and seven at the FCS level last year. and I don't know that it matters. <laughs> I don't think it matters, Mike. Oh man, I don't think it
2: matters either. They're cov- they're covering. I, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll beat Bowling Green. Bowling Green was bad last year too. Their defense is I want to throw up in my mouth. But um that's man,
1: a lot of points. Not to mention Steve Adazio or not Steve Adazio. Damn it, uh, Scott Leffler trying to transition like to this weird like pro smash system thing from like what was an air raid offense. I'm sure that's yeah. going to go great. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's quite it's quite all right. Steve Adazio will be coaching a team like Boise like Boise State. <laughs> Definitely not
1: uh, like Bowling Green soon. So no kidding. Yeah, Morgan State plus twenty one and a half for sure. Go for, go do that. Um, all right, Mike. I think that's all I got. Anything else? Nah, man. We'll talk soon. You want to uh, go watch some
2: games and then come back and recap them? Got to, man. Got no choice. Also, um, Joey, the season's finally here, officially. I just finally. want to make that known again.
1: So Finally. It feels good. I'm already owing one on bets. I want my money back because Miami did not deserve to jump on, like, 10 of the 11 fumbles in that game. And Basically, Bill Conley's put out his S&P Plus recap real quick and said Miami got, like, Upwards of two touchdowns worth of turnovers luck yep. in that game. I was on the. I was right. Vegas should refund me. That's not really how it works, but they should. That's what I'm saying. I, yep. want, it. I want You it have anyway. a fair argument, so we'll see what happens. All right. Friend, enjoy it. It's going to be good. Yes. It's the most wonderful time of the year. All right. We will come back and we will recap these games. Uh, and, and once we have some real football that we finally can talk about, not counting Miami and Florida, but, uh, For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, and for Miss Lauren Brownlow, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy the action this weekend. Welcome back to college football. And until next time, go ACC.